The Northwest Territories have a long history of relying on radio for survival, and Native radio is part of that history. We hear from NWT's finest musicians Leanne Goose, Leela Gilday, and Digga Wolf on Indians on the Airwaves Radio North. My name is Leanne Goose. I'm from Anuvik Northwest Territories, which is 170 kilometers just south of the Arctic Ocean, right along the banks of the East Branch of the Mackenzie River. And I'm a singer-songwriter, I'm a producer, music industry representative. I sit on various boards and agencies and an advocate for Indigenous arts as a whole. I sit on the board for Music NWT, currently uh, just resigned from the board for, of the Western Canadian Music Awards so that I could further pursue my academic side. I have chosen to uh, attend Grant McEwen University for the Arts and Cultural Management Program and I'm still actively touring, and uh, that's some of what I do. <laughs> my dad was actually the regional manager for CBC North. In my younger years, I spent many times sitting underneath the console while there was a live radio show going on. I slept there, I listened to the teletype, I listened to the newsroom debate in the bullpen, in the bullpit, about what was going on and as it happens and how and how they were going to tell the story and what angle it was coming from. I also got to hear the most amazing eclectic collection of music because I got to sit in the catalog room and when they were screening songs or they were looking for something that tied to a piece, I was usually there. And so that was a lot of my life growing up as a child. And I was really fortunate that my dad not only was an entertainer, but also had this background as a journalist. If I want to reach a broad audience, if I want to reach everyone in the North, I need to get my songs, I need to be heard, both on CBC, because everybody listens to the morning show, everybody listens to the noon show, and everybody listens to the end of the day at five, you know, four or five o'clock. And uh, it's just a mainstay. I have to say that I'm very, very fortunate that um, my upbringing brought me into that world and exposed me to various different situations and prepared me you know, to do interviews, prepared me to present, and it gave me a voice that I would normally not have had. Growing up in an isolated community, I mean, Anuvik is at the very end of the highway, we're at the end of the Dempster. But, you know, for six months or for six weeks, you know, at freeze up and six weeks at breakup, there is no road. It's fly in only. And without those link ups, if you weren't in my town, you'd never get to hear me. And I have to say that I'm so very grateful for all of these little tiny stations all across Canada and the U.S. who have picked up my music and chosen to support me and other independent indig indigenous artists like myself. It's really made and created this scene that we have now. And it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Uh, there are so many diverse groups that are coming out in various genres. And it's so incredible to see how our scene has changed from you know, doing cover songs and being uh, a figure. You know, being, I guess, put into a box as an Indigenous person you are always seeing, you know, most people's view is you were that Indian, you know, you were that Eskimo, and you were doing this kind of music only. 
And that's what we expect from your people. But what we see now is so much broader and brighter and stronger and there's so much incredible talent out there who are breaking boundaries, who are breaking barriers, who are exposing the world to what we are really creating right now in this time. And they're doing it in a way that is so respectful of not only their traditions and cultures, but of others as well. And seeing, seeing the power in the voices is, in, is absolutely amazing. Oh, you'll hear lots and lots of country, real classic country, you know, the kind that's just dewy and rich and drips right off of you. And you'll hear a lot of humor. Hey, Victor, you're listening to CKLB, the voice of Denende. Eh? You know, and whether it's a local slang, you know, Esja, how sick. You know, <laughs> or hey, hey, you know, somebody's being teased on the radio. And I love that, you know, the hosts, the hosts know their, know their people and the people know them. And, you know, it's not uncommon for somebody to call and for the host to put them on the radio and said, hey, I just heard you say something about so-and-so and so-and-so. I either, you know, want to elaborate and tease that person like right on the air because it's so personal. Uh, there's 30,000 people, 35,000 people who live in the Northwest Territories. And we have this massive expanse of land. But the funny thing is, is up and down the river, most people know each other. Who's your family? You know, who's your grandparents? Who are your aunts and uncles? Who are your parents? Oh, yeah, okay, I know them. And that's totally exactly it. It's so personal. It is absolutely personal. And it's but then, you know, there's that other thing about communities. Communities have their own dialect of slang. And it's kind of funny where, you know, I come from the Beaufort Delta region, which is comprised of eight communities, and Inuvik is the Mazer hub. But each community has different languages, different slangs, different style, and a little bit of a different culture with a twist. When you come to Inuvik, which is the hub, it's a blend of all those things. And it's nice to see those interpretations in the, in the media that's presented right now. And it's kind of funny, when you listen to Indigenous radio, you know the host more than likely. You're listening, you know their body language, you know what they're looking, you know exactly what they're saying when they're saying something kind of tongue-in-cheek. And I think that's the beauty. It's so personal. And that makes you want to make it belong. It, you want to be a part of it. And if you listen to mainstream radio, it is very impersonal. It's uh, crude, loud, fast, and the rhythm is completely different. I feel so lucky to be able to surround myself with incredible artists who have like these original and unique stories to tell and everybody has walked such different paths. You know, some people were, you know, natural-born fighters. Others just wallflowers. You know, and people who um, are doers, you know, thinkers, creators. And to see that coming towards you and you get to embrace all the things that they are as in unique individuals, and the, what's the old saying? Surround yourself with people who have the skills that you admire because you become the sum of your peers. 
dress on and give out all the rest So I am ready for peace when it comes Well, I had a very close relationship with CBC. I've, I've hosted many um, radio shows for CBC. Uh, just specials and music shows, northern-based um, shows. I was the northern host for Canada Live for a, a year. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've always been very, very supportive of my career. And uh, both as, you know, giving me work as a host, a radio host, but also primarily playing my music. And many of those broadcasters are st that I worked with that summer are still broadcasting, like Peter Hope. Um, Emily Jones was broadcasting up until just a few years ago. Several of the broadcasters, um, you know, that are still around and are still working. <laughs> you know, I, I think because of where I'm from, I don't see the radio format changing a lot in the north um, because it is so highly utilized and uh, so kind of interactive, and that's. I think what radio stations, contemporary radio stations in the South are reaching for again, um, what is to gain that sort of status in the community that radio in the North never really lost. I don't know where, where the future of radio is going, but I hope it stays where it's at in the North anyways. And of course, I love those podcasts. How cool is that? That's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so I'll ride that wave of technology with you guys. Recently, people have been asking a lot of questions about this rising tide of Aboriginal voices and how I perceive that and how I fit into that. Um, because it is kind of, the, the times have changed, right? Um, you see a lot of, and thanks to A Tribe Called Red and Tanya Tagak, like you see us in the mainstream now. And those people are like trailblazers, right? And so it kind of has opened the door to a lot of questions that are like, oh, what do you guys really, like, what do you have to say? <laughs> you know, what is the message that you're delivering? And of course, that's always varied and, um, you know, individual. But uh, it's nice that people, especially people in the media, are kind of have woken up to this idea that there are some very powerful and unique Indigenous voices that have been here for years but that are now gaining, you know, um, prominence and, and attracting people's interest. Well, obviously I put all my colleagues on the radio. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, George Leach and, you know, uh, my guitar player Jason Burnstick, his music, Chester Night in the Wind, um, and then, but I definitely, like, that was a priority for me, was, you know, playing Aboriginal music. I don't know, I'm, uh, I'm still kind of percolating ideas. It's, uh, I'm, right now I'm sort of headed into a creative phase in my uh, career. I'm taking a little bit of time off of touring. In fact, tonight will be our last show until probably next summer, so. Uh, yeah, so it's it's the first time I've kind of taken, intentionally taken some time off in, I think, the last 15 years. I feel like, you know, there's a, in music, there's room for 
there's always room to practice and to train, to learn. There's always room for that. But when you're creating and, and likewise when you're performing, there is a point at which you just have to let all that go and intuitively go where the music is taking you. Because really, music is not about ego um, and it's not about self. The power of music is in music itself. And um, the more that you can sort of release yourself to that, uh, the, the more you'll be just in, you'll just be, you know? And that's, I think, the most natural and um, the, I think the best way to live is just to be able to be. My first radio experience, I guess if you call it. Uh, the first time I actually started noticing the radio station was close to Red Deer. They had a radio station uh, and they, they broadcast television feed. And my favorite time was in the evening when they, when they broadcast the old series of Star Trek. On radio, so late at night, like I would, like I would fall asleep to Star Trek on radio, the old, the old, uh, you know, the, the first like original series. Yeah, 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 William Shatner and Mr. Spock, you know, and uh, like I used to fall asleep to Star Trek and dream of all these strange planets and ships flying everywhere, and that was my first real radio experience. Yeah, like I recorded a few Star Trek on cassette. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out that if I stopped the the recording at each commercial, I could squeeze two two episodes on a ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek. I think mine was um, I was raised by my grandmother, and uh, every time we'd always listen to CBC, and there would always be a CBC chip one. CKLB, Chippewan shows and stuff like that, all, all different languages in the north and uh, definitely listening to it when my grandma was listening to it all the time, making tea and stuff like that. Hello, my name is Rihanna Clay from Lenaque and whenever I'm at work I turn into CKLB, the voice of Denning Day. It would be country a lot on there and that's, that's my first actual, like every day it would be radio. It would, it would always be radio and then my dad obviously being a radio host, he, uh, it's uh, yeah, so I started listening to him on the radio station, going to the actual um, radio place with him and just listening to some CDs by myself while he was doing the actual shows. My dad is Tony Buggins. It would be pretty nice, actually. I was talking with my uh, auntie, and my dad's a translator also, and he does translation work and all of his, like, he's Chippewan, what Chippewan. It's a very close language to Klee Cho, 
So like a lot of stuff that he says, like I could, it's just like maybe just a pronunciation difference or whatever, but it's pretty much along the same lines. A lot of uh, languages in the North are like that. Um, but uh, my auntie and my uh, dad were talking about it would be a great idea if we could, like, in order to save languages, that Rosetta Stone. That would be cool if we can get the actual Chippewan, Klicho, South Slavey, North Slavey, Niktotoka, all that on that. To keep the language alive because it, it really is up there right it, now, like generation, generation, each one is dying. And it's, it's unfortunate. Like, I don't even know Chippewan. Uh, my mom was half Chippewan. Uh, like, I remember my brothers when we were small and we get into trouble and she would yell uh, she would yell uh, like at us in chip one and we'll be like uh <laughs> well, like what would she say what would she say we like swearing and all this stuff in chip one and we're like what i could probably remember one more i remember one every time my grandmother got mad i don't even know what it means but she's always like Dicinole. um I, I asked my i asked my dad he's like don't say that word again <laughs> so I'm like, I am like, like, you know, just like, oh, okay, Granny's mad, Granny's mad. Like, I remember that. I spoke the language, uh, I only spoke clean shown right up until I was nine years old. I, I didn't speak English at all uh, when I went south. I only knew, like, a few words, like, uh, sh uh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and my my teacher down south, like every time I say yeah, she would like stop me and stand me up in front of the class and say yes. And I'm like, ah, I see. But, uh, you know, the language was installed in me, you know, through my dad. He, uh, he didn't speak English. My mom didn't speak English. They just spoke fluent Tlingchong. And so that's how I grew up. And... When I went south for eight and a half years to go to school, I never forgot about it. Just never forgot about it. Yeah, it was my first language. Uh, like English is, English was my second language. And when it came time to start looking at writing this album, um, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be because I just had to sort of uh, search back and see where see some words that I'm having problems with. Um, my brothers and sisters were really helpful. Oh yeah, like it was. Uh, it's, it's sort of like this album that came out that sort of it faded before it came out. <laughs> well, simply because there's only like 2,200 people who speak the language, the Tlingchong language. So the, uh, the population, you know, is rather small in comparison to the rest of Canada, let alone the world. So you have this album all in, in Tlingchong language that nobody understands what I'm singing about. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, one of those little tiny well, I should do it because I know that uh, maybe 50 years from now, maybe nobody will be speaking the languages anymore, let al uh, or like all over, all over Canada. Uh, language is rapidly fading. Elders are dying off. Young people are growing up not knowing the language. It really. Uh, it really helped me to sort of like really look at my language 
uh, and and really and really appreciate my brothers along for certain words that I was like, oh yeah, okay. And also, like you know, um, from time to time, I help I help out with my brother. He has a sound business, and so he runs the translation equipment in Tlingchong Nation. So sometimes I'm sitting there, like listening to elders. And it's just like, wow, that that is amazing. You know, these old elders. You know, they have they have words that even like you know that nobody understands. So we were like able to document of the language because right? the language is an oral of language like it was never written down like until this last like you know uh, century there is actually a lot of like uh, northern artists that do um that do uh, recordings up there that uh like i don't even know sometimes my dad listens to radio every morning when i'm getting ready for work and he's getting ready for work and he just blasts it and he's like oh here's my buddy and they're just speaking in their language and stuff so there's still that music going around in in, in the north but it's Compared to when my dad was playing music and like actively playing music all the time and going through the circuit and stuff like that in the like 70s and stuff like that, um, it's definitely, I don't think it's the same. I think it's not, lot, not a lot of people are actually writing in their own music, in their own language and stuff like that. So this is, yeah, this is pretty cool. I like what Jesse's doing. It's a great time playing with him. And um, CBC was very, very supportive. Um, they have uh, cultural programming. So, uh, Every hour is a different language, and there uh, is Chipuan, there's Tlicho, uh, otherwise known as Dogrib, North Slavey, South Slavey, Guchin, Inuvialuktun. There used to be a Michif speaker, but there is very small, small population now of Michif speakers, so that language is almost gone in the NWT. And to have that um, diversity in programming um, in the language, in the culture, and um, to be able to broadcast the news to, to first language speakers, to be able to present the current events and what's going on, and to have those discussions that are so important to keep the, you know, the cultural identity alive, but also keep sharing information in a format that they can understand and engage and participate in, is really a powerful thing. And you know, thankfully, our indigenous languages are still alive and are still thriving because of the support to keep those languages on the radio. And uh, we're seeing a revitalization of language and culture everywhere. And I think it's a beautiful thing when you see you know, a preschool class that is learning in the language. And you're like, wow, like, I feel like I lost out um, because I was told and by my grandparents that by learning the language, so my father no, doesn't speak Inuvialuktun, and I don't speak Inuvialuktun. And that was a part of our residential school history. Um, my grandparents thought they were putting me at a disadvantage if they taught me the language. And now we know that is so completely uh, a falsehood that was you know, told to, to put fear into us and to take pieces of us and break us down so that we weren't strong. But you know, we're still here. We're still fighting, and now with the new language apps that are coming out, I absolutely love being able to like punch in a sentence or look for a word, and I can use that word. It becomes functional, it becomes part of me. And I may have not spoken that language, the language before, and 
not been taught, but in the same token, I still feel it. I still feel a part of it because I've heard it all my life. Now looking at um, my brothers and sisters, my own children, the kids who are coming up in the community who want to sing or are learning to play guitar, learning to play piano and violin and fiddle and, you know, writing their own songs. And with the um, advancement of social media are doing quite well, you know, and they're just starting out. And it's, you know, in the, in the last five years, in the last 10 years, like we've seen a total and complete change with the way that we interact with people, the way that we interact with the world and how they interact with us. And now everybody is involved. Everybody is a participant. And that's power. You know, that's an incredible power. You know, and if you think about using that tool for the greater good, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Who knows? The next Grammy winner might come out of Toloyuak, you know, might come out of Toledo, might come out of, you know, some little hole in the wall that you've never heard of. Masi Cho to the lovely Leanne Goose, the talented Leela Gilde, and the extraordinary band Diggle with Jesse Gon and DJ Buggins, all representing the Northwest Territories and Radio North proudly. My name is Janet Rogers, producer of Indians on the Airwaves, radio documentary series made possible by CFUVFM and the CRFC Radio Meters Fund. Thanks for listening. Hey, 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 hey,